0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith.
1: Here's how you walk in the midst of it. And just to know that that's a part of the journey. It's not, again, something unusual. Check and say, is this something that I've created? Is this something that. Is a result of what I've done or you you look at it and say well if it's unwarranted bless God bless God because he'll turn it into a blessing in my life he tells me that in the book
0: reaching up high with arms open wide we see you're changing our lives We serve a remarkable God who not only promises to be near us as we suffer unjustly for His sake, but also provides a blessing when we respond correctly. All our suffering will be used for His glory. Today, Pastor Ed reminds us to ask God for guidance and then follow His direction. We'll learn that a clear conscience comes when we surrender to the Holy Spirit and trust that His way is perfect. Our gentle and respectful response will show others who directs our life. And just like the early church, we can know that God sees all unfairness and promises not to let it go unpunished. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in
1: Faith He becomes the pilot of our soul. He becomes the guidance in our lives. So we give Jesus that place of honor and respect, and we say, now Lord, I want to handle this injustice the way you want me to handle it. I want you to be honored. I want to behave in an honorable way and not return evil for evil. I want to do it the kingdom way. And so he says, don't fear people. Don't let a swirl of trouble fill your heart and soul and and, and just captivate you. And he goes on to say, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, notice this, for the hope that is in you. So somehow in the midst of that injustice, there's a hope that you have, a confidence that you have that God's going to get you through. He's going to help you. He's going to be with you because He's sovereign and, and He is your shepherd. And you believe that with all of your heart. You've given Him the place of honor in your lives. And as you begin to think and focus on the Lord, your life will be characterized by hope. Now, you might think that Peter would have put the word who asks you for a reason for the faith that is in you, but he doesn't use the word faith. He uses the word hope because what's emanating from your life is this confidence and this trust and this assurance and this peace. Because when you go through the trial, What does the Word say? You will be blessed. So God sees you in the circumstance, sees the unfairness of the situation, and He blesses you. That's the promise of the book. That's what the Word says. And then He says, when you give a reason, when you respond, you do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, how you talk to Others, it's, it's with gentleness. At, at the job, someone wrongs you. You're getting treated wrong at home or at work or wherever it may happen. You don't respond, huh, I'm better than you. I'm following the book. You all are a mess. <laughs> no, no. It, it, it's this gentleness that you recognize you have feet of clay. And, you, and you're grateful that God's helping you and is with you. And so you respond with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience. That's what it means. is You say, you know, I am trying to honor God in this situation. I am trying to follow the word. I am trying to follow the scriptures. I am trying to do what God wants me to do. And so if you have that assurance that you're trying to do the right thing in the right way, you have a clear conscience in that, in that matter. And that's what Peter is saying. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So, what eventually will happen is God will vindicate. God will justify. Now, it doesn't always happen in this present life. Sometimes it's in the life to come. Sometimes it's when we stand before God. And so, Peter is saying, oh, know that you allow God to shape you in that fiery trial when you are treated wrongly and God will use that to bless you and God will form and he will mold you and shape your life and those who slander I mean those who are throwing the mud at you those who are saying things to hurt you they'll realize hey I made a mistake and they'll be convicted and that's what he's saying and so he, he goes on to say here's how you do it and then notice When you go through those things, you're not alone. You're with God. I like how Johnny Erickson taught us said this. With profound potential for good, suffering can also be a destroyer. Suffering can pull families together, unite them through hardship, or it can rip them apart in selfishness and in bitterness. Suffering can file at those rough edges off your character. Or it can further harden you. It all depends on us how we respond. So what Peter is saying, you'll face injustice. You'll face situations that... I say, why? Handle it wisely and well. And God will bring a blessing out of it for you. I think of the great missionary, Judson, who was in Burma for years. And they threw him in prison because of his witness... And when they threw him in prison, they beat him physically, abused him. He was beaten terribly. And after a long period of time, they let him out. And so he goes to the government officials and he makes a request. He says, could I go into a neighboring province and preach and share? And this is what the government official says to him. The government official replies, my people are not fools enough to listen to anything a missionary might say. But I fear they might be impressed by your scars and turn to your religion. Think about that. When we allow the scars to be redemptive, we look like Jesus. It's your last day in this world. You're going to go home, be with the Lord. What are you thinking about? I don't know, maybe you're in a car accident, maybe you're at home, maybe you plan, maybe, but you're ready to stand before God. In heaven, you're going to meet the disciples, the apostles, the martyrs, and they're going to have their stories of suffering and of trial, of the crosses that they carried. What are your stories going to include? What's some of the scars that you have? Born because you're following Christ. What's some of the things that you've done in the right way, in a wrong situation, so that Christ will be honored? What are the stories that you're going to tell the other disciples and the apostles? I mean, we're not persecuted nearly like believers through the centuries or around the world are. Peter is saying, You need guidance when you go through it. Fear God. Give Jesus a place of honor in your life. Give a reason. Have a clear conscience. And let that hope be evident in you. And know. And know that God will use it for your good, His glory, and the advancement of His kingdom. Now, he goes on. He's talking about our struggles, our trouble, about unjust suffering. But he goes on. And look at the following verses. He gives us encouragement in unjust suffering. There's encouragement. In verse 21 of chapter 2, Peter reminds us, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in the steps. Christ suffered for us. We have a cross to bear as well. We are to be willing to suffer for his name's sake. How does it help us? How do we find encouragement in these verses? Well, first of all, the first verse, verse 18, is real clear. It's the gospel in a nutshell. You see, the experience of Christ's suffering for righteousness. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now, put your name in there. Christ suffered. It says... Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Put your name in there. Unrighteous. All of us. He suffered for us. For Christ also suffered for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. That what? He might bring us to God. His suffering brought us to God. That's a great encouragement when it says that. What he's saying is, when you are suffering, think about the cross. I know that our cross doesn't have Christ on it because we celebrate especially the resurrection. But I don't think anything is wrong with us remembering Christ on the cross. There is something about remembering the suffering, the pain of our Savior that helps us when we're going through our painful moments in life. That's what Peter is saying. Think about the suffering of Jesus. All that he went through, all that he experienced, the ridicule, the mocking, the taking of sin upon himself, all the pain that he went through. So when you're going through a painful and a difficult time, Remember, you're really identifying with Jesus because as he was called to suffer, you're called to take up the cross and follow him. And you were called not to a life of ease, but your life includes suffering. Now, don't look for it. It'll find you. (laughs) Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, When I consider my crosses, tribulations, and temptations, I shame myself almost to death, thinking, what are they in comparison to the suffering of my blessed Savior, Jesus Christ? Now we come to one of the most difficult passages in all of Peter's writings, perhaps in all of the New Testament. And I am going to read it carefully, and I just want you to know that It's very difficult to understand what this passage is saying. I really don't fully understand it. I'm going to give you an idea of what I think it means. But there are some passages that are mysterious. I'm thankful that salvation is clear. I mean, it's really, really clear. But there are some passages of Scripture that you say, well, I'm not sure what it means. And so I'm just going to give you what I feel it is referring to. If you look at verse 19, it says, In which he, meaning Jesus, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. The Apostles' Creed refers to Jesus descending into the depths of hell. Peter refers to Jesus preaching in this prison to spirits, meaning angelic beings. And he refers to the days of Noah. I think this might be what it means. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that the sons of God married the daughters of men. And some think that they were angelic beings who somehow left their first estate. And they created a race of nephilims or giants. Could be that. I'm not sure. But this we can be assured of. He went into the spirit realm. And when he went into the spirit realm, he proclaimed his victory. I want to read just a couple of passages of scripture that talk about it. In 2 Peter, verses 4-5, to it says... For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. He did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. And Jude, who is the half-brother of Jesus, wrote, And the angels, who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, These he has kept in darkness, bound in everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. And Colossians, writing of the Apostle Paul, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So between Jesus' death and his resurrection, he descended into this spirit realm and He proclaimed triumph over all the powers of darkness. Now, that in itself can be a a teaching, but that's all I want to make reference there. And I believe what perhaps Peter is doing is he's encouraging believers that Christians are going to be victorious over all the powers of darkness. Because he goes on to talk about our baptism, and he relates it to Noah and the flood. It says, baptism, which was, corresponds to this, he talks about the event of water baptism that really is symbolic of our journey. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just draw your attention to the scripture. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Now, some people take that, and they latch onto that, and they say, if you were baptized, you're saved. I've heard ministers, I've heard preachers uh, pronounce that a person went to heaven because they were baptized. and that I mean, they were living like the devil, but somehow they got into heaven because they were baptized. And they go back to that verse. What Peter is saying is, it says, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, which I believe is saying it's not the ritual that cleanses you, but it's an appeal to God for a good conscience. What happens in baptism is a person is simply coming and saying, I am committing myself to follow Christ. I'm going to identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. So I'm going to die to myself, to my own ambitions and plans, and I'm going to live for Christ. For me to live is Christ. So Peter is reminding them of their water baptism and their identification with Christ. He's saying, wait a minute. When you experience unjust suffering, you're experiencing your identification with Christ. You belong to him all that will live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. You go and you're in a company and they're talking about things and and you just can't talk like they do and you just can't do what they do. You can't participate. And and suddenly you're labeled the oddball. Uh, Suddenly uh, they don't want to be around you. And so the forms of persecution that we face are not nearly like the forms of persecution that the persecuted church faces. But yet, we will experience injustice. And notice, it talks about our conscience and it talks about good behavior. But what he's getting at is this. Noah for 120 years preached and only eight people were saved. But he made it into the book and into God's hall of fame. The great masses of people aren't going to heaven. Broad is the road and wide that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to heaven. So the great majority of people are not going there. And I know people say, Oh, you Christians are narrow-minded, you're bigoted, you're, you know, you're just uh, too much. Well, think about John. Think about Noah. He proclaimed righteousness and preached and for 120 years. And what he's saying is this as a believer, you're going to face difficult times. Philippians 129 says this. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, oh I love that privilege, but what else? None of us care for that part. I have to admit, it's not not praying, Lord, I want suffering. <laughs> You know, not sitting down and praying Sunday morning, Lord, send suffering on the church. <laughs> we don't really want it, but it is part of the journey, and it is part of all of our experiences. And if we realize, okay, Jesus, this is where you walked. I'm going to walk there. And so this baptism, when you go through suffering, you're reminded, now. the reason I'm going through this is because I identify with Christ. I'm one of his followers. And for me to live as Christ. And what he went through, I'll go through too. In verse 22, he brings it to a high point. He culminates. He says, here's the encouragement. Who is, speaking of Jesus, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subject to him. He was showing us that the culmination of Christ's suffering ends in triumph. That's the end of the story. It ends in victory. So whatever suffering you may be going through, no matter how hard, how difficult, if you handle it in the right way, you may say, listen, I didn't deserve this. shouldn't have happened. Know that God will bring good out of it. Jesus said to his disciples as he was getting to ready to leave in the ascension, he said in Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to turn to the back of your study notes. We're going to read the Apostles' Creed together as a reminder of what our faith is all about, what we really believe. And I would like you to read it together with me in unison. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. That means the living. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Christian Church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The Bible tells us we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're running the race. We're fighting the fight. And what we experience is not an anomaly. There are times that you feel like an injustice or an unjustice. Things happen. And, and God says, okay, here's how you navigate through that. Here's how you walk in the midst of it. And just to know that that's a part of the journey. It's not, again, something unusual. Check and say, is this something that I've created? Is this something that is a result of what I've done? Or you, you look at it and say, well, if it's unwarranted, well, bless God. Bless God. Because he'll turn it into a blessing in my life. He tells me that in the book. And then you just go to him for guidance. And he'll show you how to navigate through that hard time. Unjust suffering? Peter raises his hand. He's been there. John raises his hand. He's been there. Paul raises his hand. He's been there. Uh, The Old Testament, New Testament saints, they've all been there. If you belong to God... It happens. But we find encouragement when you're going through something and you feel like this hurts. Think about Jesus on the cross.
0: Building in faith. We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith as Dr. Edward Jones teaches through the book of 1 Peter. We hope that this message series will open your eyes to the truth of how Jesus can impact your everyday life through the highs and lows, the triumphs, and the trials. If you have yet to discover just how wonderful this life with Jesus can be, we'd love to tell you more. A relationship with Jesus is the greatest relationship you will ever have. Please feel free to get in contact with us by calling 845-462-5955. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith radio ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the other staff members of Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And we'd be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent fellowshipping with other believers, learning more about our Savior, and praising Him for all He has done for us. Location information can be found at our website buildinginfaithradio.com We hope today's message has blessed you and that no matter what is happening in your life right now, you're turning to Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of First Peter. Your word Everybody wins when a leader gets better absolutely everyone the stakes of leadership are sky high everyone has influence come to the global leadership summit on august 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community the summit features leaders like bill hybels cheryl sandberg andy stanley and more experience the summit at faith assembly casperkill campus poughkeepsie august 10 and 11 register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit